0: So Matt, I have a great idea. Uh oh, (laughs) that wasn't what I was expecting. But I have a great (laughs) idea for getting money towards the podcast, so we can make money on the podcast.
1: Uh oh, it's way
0: it's way better than ad revenue.
1: (laughs) Uh oh. Okay. Yeah. No. I'm ready.
0: I was randomly watching the Golden Girls because I do that because I'm 80 and there was an episode where all the Golden Girls, they went on these auction dates with people and like people would pay money. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. And it was like, wow, this looks like such fun. Right. Mm -hmm. So what if we auctioned you off? We just put you out there and people can can bid on you to date. We take that money. And we invested to the podcast. Who wants to go on a date with Matt (laughs) Awkan?
1: Okay, Um, all right. Here's my feelings about this.
0: Um, Yeah, we don't have time for that. We gotta start the podcast.
1: But wait, hey, hold on! Wait, I have, I have reactions. everybody and welcome to Save Your Game. I am Matt Aukamp, and with me is my co-host, Pushing Up Roses.
0: Hey, how come I don't get a nickname? I'm
1: uh, my special boy. Special <laughs> boy.
0: Roses. That's me.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a precocious what? special boy over here. Is there a nickname beyond pushing up roses that people have for you?
0: No. I don't <laughs> think that. just no, I mean it, but nobody says Pushing Up Roses. Like, that's my artist name. I sign my stuff that way. That's my channel name. But people call me Roses. And that's right. been... Isn't that interesting that nobody really calls me Purr? There there are some people, but I find that very interesting because with, with people, it's usually more of an acronym that they call them. But mine is just Roses. I've just always gone, like, gone with that.
1: Right. Do you... I can understand why people would say roses out loud, but you're saying even in, like, text, people don't do P-U-R, people do.
0: Right, yeah, even in even text. Even though
1: purr is a sweet kitty sound.
0: It is sweet, isn't it? I like both. I'll answer to both. I'll answer to sweet, a lot of things.
1: Sweet <laughs> kitty cat pushing up roses. <laughs> yeah, is sweet. that... Is that, <laughs> that might be too, like... Uh, that might be too... In- you don't want people at a convention to come Call up me to you and sweet be like, hey, no. sweet kitty cat.
0: I would feel very negatively about that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might uh not survive my presence
1: <laughs> i have no idea how i'm gonna deal with it if we ever say like do a live show or go to like a gaming convention or something and somebody comes up to me and says hey it's the special boy like i <laughs> like what man. am i <laughs> what am i gonna do <laughs> like am i gonna just start swinging i don't know <laughs>
0: that's when you show all of your abilities that make you unique and precious and special so like good jumper that's when you're like watch me jump and then you jump jump over their
1: head and then i bench press them yeah and then i (laughs) just leave and they're just like bewildered
0: (laughs) and you just leave so roses yes per yes what have you
1: been what have you been playing (laughs)
0: So um, <laughs> should I should I lead again with Stardew Valley? No, oh let's not. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I will I will not. No, I, I think we might be able
1: to talk about Stardew Valley next week because I just today picked up a game that has strong Stardew Valley vibes. So <gasps> even though this is an adventure game podcast, maybe next week you guys will all tr- be treated to some uh, more Stardew Valley talk.
0: Look, I will die on this hill. By saying, I think Stardew Valley has a lot of adventure game aspects to it. And I cannot be swayed mm-hmm. otherwise. <laughs> okay. And, Mar- you know, Married Life with Elliot. It's going great. Okay. Elliot in the game, obviously. I'm not married to anybody named Elliot.
1: <laughs> you could be. I could be. I am I mean, not like, not like I'm suggesting you have a secret uh elliot a secret. in your life I have i'm a saying secret elliot yeah i'm saying uh if you want to go if you want us to find you somebody named elliot to marry i don't think it will be that hard
0: yeah uh taking applications
1: all elliots if you are elliot please email us at <laughs> matt and rose matt and roses <laughs> at gmail.com uh <laughs> you you might be able to marry roses okay so what have you actually been playing, or what have you been playing besides yeah. start Valley?
0: So uh, just very randomly, I was on the Switch just looking for adventure games because I noticed there were more adventure games on the Switch than I thought. I had played Hobbs Barrow on the Switch, so I'm like, you know what? Let's keep it going. I can play adventure games in my bed, not at my desktop, and that would be great. <laughs> so I found a game called Just Ignore Them, and it is a legit adventure game. With a horror element to it, okay. it looks like a very cutesy game. The way it's framed, uh, it's in full screen as well. I think that's on purpose. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure what they <laughs> did to to make this game, but it's by Stranger Games, okay. like Stranger, but with an A instead, but, but like, strain, like strange,
1: like strange. So like <laughs> Stranga, say,
0: like Stranga, yeah, like Stranga. <laughs>
1: Stranga Maybe it game. is.
0: I mean, that's a horror name too. Maybe it is. I I assume it's Stranger maybe this drink i don't know um
1: <laughs> i've introduced the concept of self-doubt
0: i hope i know i hope they're not listening uh but anyway i played this game and i really enjoyed it it's a little bit on the simpler side in terms of puzzle design and but especially dialogue um okay. but it is very very creepy i think it has the same problem that most horror games has this is not unique where if you use the same gimmick over and over again it is not going to be scary anymore mm-hmm. i think we talked about dredge when um when there were horror elements in dredge they were frightening right. at first but then they kept happening as a mechanic and i am I was just over it
1: i've heard about like a good strategy for dealing with horror, like if you're a person who uh can't stand horror games but just because of the scares like wants to play horror games and it's like i can't stand being chased and the jump scares um I've heard a good thing to do is just run right at the monster or whoever's yeah. chasing you, and then watch yourself get killed, and be like, "Okay, all right, now I know the worst that can happen." Yeah. And then as you play, like suddenly he's not so scary anymore.
0: No, it's it's like that's like exposure therapy. Honestly, right. you just face yeah. it, and then you then that's that's what it is. Yeah,
1: I, I I just wanted to I just wanted to point out that this is uh, it seems like one of those RPG maker. Adventure yes. games. Yes, it's yeah. definitely it's got the uh, Pokemon style like isometric, um, uh, yes. pixel art thing going on.
0: It's very cute <laughs> to look at. It's almost jarring. And
1: <laughs> I just looked up Stranger Stranger Games, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize these are the people who made Red Bow.
0: I'm not sh- I'm not sure what that is, but I it guess is a you do
1: yeah it is in another I have not played it, but I have heard many good things about it it is an oh, indie great. you know rpg maker uh horror game about a girl who's wearing a little red bow so maybe we yeah. maybe <laughs> maybe we play this one too maybe we play red bow and I'll, I'll uh i'll try out just ignore them
0: yeah i'm looking at the screen caps for red bow and it actually looks really good it looks more detailed uh than just ignore them so maybe i'll have to give that one a go as well
1: yeah uh and uh, like I definitely want to try just ignore them. I've always kind of wanted to play Red Bow. So yeah, maybe nice. we just play both of them.
0: I don't want to give away too many spoilers because uh, in adventure games, really all you have is the narrative. But <laughs> right. Basically, you... Tell are us how to ca-
1: solve one puzzle.
0: No. Absol- okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> Get out of here. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. All right. Basically, you're playing...
0: Yeah. You're playing a character. You begin... Uh, When you're eight years old, and as an eight-year-old, you witness a traumatizing event uh, that kind of haunts you for your entire life. And something is basically following you around. Like the movie, It Follows. But but also, there's an actual thing that you see on the screen. You know what's following you. And it's somehow related to your father. There's a little Ah. mystery going on, too.
1: I think It Follows is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. There that's very are,
0: bizarre to me
1: <laughs> there are moments there are vi- well because conceptually it's scary but then there are moments there are like visuals in that movie that just stick with me and i don't think i'll ever go away
0: which one can you like do you have an example
1: there's a moment where you're expecting a jump scare and it doesn't happen and then all of a sudden this horrifying man walks into the room
0: Oh. And it is the
1: scariest thing. It happens so gently. It happens without a music hit or anything. So, like yeah. the idea of somebody just randomly walking into a room <laughs> that I'm in, like so just a stranger just walking into the room, and it, this stranger looks incredibly yeah. scary in the scene.
0: Yeah, the whole concept of it, it follows is kind of is kind of horrifying and heavy handed. Yeah. And what have you been playing?
1: So I've been spending. <laughs> okay, first I'll say I finished Blood Nova. Uh, which we talked about, I think, the first episode. I, I think I even said on that episode it's a very complicated sci-fi magic narrative. Mm-hmm. Um with a lot of complex, you know, uh terminology babble. And yeah. it gets so much worse towards the end. I'm not I, I'm sure how every character's arc wraps up, but I'm not sure what the rest of the plot was. It was just <laughs> It's just the sort of thing where your brain glazes over because oh, no. everybody's saying too many words that are not real words or terms that are not <laughs> real terms. And oh, like no. it gets to the point where you're like listening to a prophecy that's based on astrological signs that aren't real about historical figures that aren't real uh, on planets that aren't real. And it's just like, there's no way right. I would need a graph To track these sentences. (laughs) I also have been just spending so much time uh, bopping around the Islands of Insight, (laughs) solving all the uh, unlimited puzzles. I think there is a... No, maybe there's not a limit, because some of them refresh. But uh, it has really gripped me. Wow. I keep finding... Here's the thing. I already talked about how there's such a huge variety of puzzles Mm -hmm. that you never get bored because there's always a if you if you aren't digging a specific type of puzzle you can always go to a different one i have found since i said that on this podcast i found like seven more puzzle types
0: so are they all are there any fetch quests or are these logic puzzles that you come across in game and you solve them
1: they are basically all Logic puzzles, and most no. of them have—I know—most of them have to do with perspective. So again, no. it'll be like there's a bunch <laughs> of floating rings, and you have to find the exact spot where you can look through all the yellow rings and not through any of the purple rings. Um, ah. there are match match three puzzles where it's like you have to you do a match three grid, but you have to do it perfectly. So you have to figure you have to think ahead of where each tile is going to fall, so that. You don't end up with any tiles left at the end.
0: That hurts my brain. I it, it Really, <laughs> this is Sierra's fault. I grew up on the stupidest puzzles that I <laughs> love, by the way. I say it in love, and now I'm lost at <laughs> logical puzzles.
1: Yeah. You know, the more I play it, too, the more I'm thinking it's like one of those, you know, those logic puzzle books you get in, like, the puzzles and games section of a Barnes & Noble. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the ones it's I ignore. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's almost like that, but in a video game form. It's just a constant stream of what you could maybe call brain teasers. <laughs> but oh, again, God. In this lush, like beautiful environment, that uh, again, the narrative, which is barely there, takes itself very seriously.
0: And that's the MMO. So I could yes. boot that up and we could essentially play together. Yeah.
1: Which I believe we plan to do and might be yeah. out even before this episode airs or around the time this episode airs.
0: I think it's a great idea. I think that we should both boot ourselves in and you can help me
1: <laughs> or just
0: listen to me vent about how much I don't like logic puzzles. I, if I Exa- find a slider yeah. puzzle, I'm going to flip the table.
1: And we can, yeah, we can just run around this <laughs> <laughs> this weird, glowy world together. As far as Is it an adventure game? Kind of and kind of not. It's more just a puzzle game, but there is a narrative there, and it is super fun, and uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. So, Roses. Yes. This episode, I believe, we plan to go in depth into Hobbs Barrow. Let's go! (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be getting into spoilers here, probably not at the beginning, so if you want to listen to the first half of this discussion and then turn it off. We don't blame you, but <laughs> okay. hopefully you've played Hobbs Barrow and can hang with us the whole way through. You want to go talk about Hobbs Barrow with me?
0: I am so down to talk about Hobbs Barrow. I felt late to the party on that one because it had been out for, I I think that like at least a year and a half and everybody was recommending it to me and it was published by Wadged Eye. So these are people I trust, and it looked so cool. And then I don't know what happened. It just slid by me Yeah. as I dived deeper into Stardew Valley. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, so let's play regrets. the break music. Let's play the break music, and we'll come back. We'll talk all about Stardew Valley. I mean, <laughs> hop there. I mean, let's just talk about Islands of Insight again. <laughs> roses
0: yes Matt how's your break I was pretty good uh I had a coffee or I have a coffee I took very long tedious sips of said coffee and now I'm feeling stoked
1: did you uh explore any ancient burial mounds
0: uh not today that is usually a weekend activity for me okay yeah you understand it's it's very involved
1: it's it's hard to do it as a job (laughs) <laughs> not a lot of people are willing to pay you for it.
0: No, there's no one willing to pay me for that. I just gotta hope to find something amazing and not cursed.
1: What's the best thing you ever found in a burial mound?
0: In the ground? Yeah. Oh, like a coin.
1: It's, okay, hold on. You so you robbed a an underground <laughs> grave and inside <laughs> you found like a penny and you were like, This rules.
0: Look, it was geocaching and I found like a weird little pendant, okay?
1: What if geocaching added that up? What if you... Oh, man. Okay. All right. Proposal. Extreme geocaching, where instead of just, like, this is hidden behind a street sign or in a tree hollow, it's, like, this is hidden in a coffin (laughs) in a graveyard.
0: (laughs) Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Try not to get arrested. Or, like, this is hidden (laughs) underneath a ledge of a cliff that's 30... Thousand feet in the air are any cliffs on Earth? Thirty thousand feet in the air? I don't know how big anything is. (laughs) There is
0: no concept of size,
1: right? Yeah, this is hidden. (laughs) This one, this geocache is hidden underneath uh, a cruise ship. (laughs) Wait, under
0: underneath the cruise ship?
1: Like attached it magnetically to the bottom? Oh my god!
0: Now that's an adventure game puzzle right there.
1: Yeah, extreme geocaching. I would play a game like that.
0: I would too. But I would probably not want to excavate (laughs) cursed burial sites, which is exactly what you have to do.
1: (laughs) This is hidden in Joe Biden's armpit. Good luck.
0: What is it just taped in there? He's just yeah, Or, is, yeah, he, or is he holding it the whole time. He doesn't
1: even No, he doesn't even notice. He just <laughs> his granddaughter taped it in there when he wasn't paying attention <laughs> and then put it up on extremegeocaching.org.
0: Man, you know what? What I'm taking away from this combo is that we should design an adventure game. We know what hmm. we're doing. We, know, yeah, puzzle. we, got we it. know puzzle design, guys.
1: We got this. Hey, Francisco, Dave, Ron, yeah.
0: Someone hire us. Roberta,
1: step out of the way. We are the new kings of the adventure game genre. Yeah, if you see a puzzle. If you see a puzzle where there's a coin
0: in in a character's armpit, you'll know (laughs) that it came from us.
1: (laughs) All right. So, Excavation of Hobbs Barrow is a game.
0: Oh, I thought it was just an event.
1: Yeah, it's uh. <laughs> did you get Did you get my Facebook invite <laughs> to excavate Hobbs Barrow? No, it's by Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> it's by Cloak and Dagger Games, and then published by Wajet Eye.
0: Yes, our good friends. We've Spain. talked about it a
1: little bit before, but the game is about your. It's an it's a pixel art kind of game, and you are an antiquarian, which is an antiquated word for uh, <laughs> like an archaeologist. Various types of anthropologists would have been yeah. called antiquarians back in the day, right? And your name is Thomasina Bateman, and you are the, the the game picks up where you're writing a letter to your mom, and you're on a train to a little town called Biola. Biola. <laughs> in uh, I guess it seems like Northern England, right?
0: I couldn't tell if it was England or Scotland, to be honest. Maybe it's meant I feel to be like... ambiguous.
1: I feel like it's in the borderlands. I feel like it's the North England or okay. Southern Scotland. I feel like it's in that region because it's got sprawling moors covered in heather. And it's got, uh, you know, those ambiguous accents where you're like, is that Scottish? Yeah. Or is that just a, a very cold Englishman?
0: Yeah. <laughs> a
1: chilly Englishman?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's very countryside. So you're essentially yeah. in the moors. I guess you
1: could call this a horror game. It's folk horror. So you're not going to get a lot of uh, jump scares. You're not going to get a lot of, like, guys with... Uh,
0: Chainsaws.
1: Chainsaws. Yeah, yeah. You're not going <laughs> to get any... You're not really going to get any direct threats. You have a an underlying threat that yeah. you don't even really know is real.
0: Right. Yeah, this game is based on atmosphere. And just the suspense that you get trying to uh, figure out a town's secret, and I think we we kind of we definitely described a lot of Hobbs in previous uh, in previous episodes, so we don't have to go mm-hmm. too in depth. But obviously, we're going to go in depth for the yeah. for some of the themes and for especially the ending, uh, which upset me, to be frank. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> and I think um, we will. Why, why don't we try and dance around? the ending and the mysteries until we get like about maybe like halfway through this discussion and then we'll warn people and then then we'll just go for it
0: but it's uh i I think i described it last time as because we said folk horror it's very wicker man very midsummer that's kind of the vibe that you're going to get except i would argue that it's even more folk horror than some of those things I don't it's got an it's got like an old well it's set in Victorian times so maybe that's why I'm equating it with like oh it feels old and historic and yeah it is set right Victorian times I, I believe is what they said
1: I yes and I it is Victorian times and I played the game with director's commentary on
0: oh nice
1: and every single folk horror movie that they referenced that was an inspiration i had never heard of at
0: all what really
1: <laughs> yeah so, it was wicker all man. stuff no it wasn't wicker man
0: oh did no they wicker say man. like twin peaks
1: Nope. they said it was uh I <laughs> uh a bunch of again a bunch of really obscure um oh. folk horror movies that Probably neither of us have heard of. Um, okay. They sounded like English folklore, And also, they mentioned that Lovecraft was a bigger influence in the original concept of the game. And a lot right. of that fell away. And I can see that. The, the biggest Lovecraftian element of it is this idea of a deeper power. <laughs> uh, this yes. deeper structure of power hiding beneath the world. Um, yeah. That you don't fully understand and i guess we'll get into that when we get towards the ending but
0: and like even even the town of strange mm-hmm. people too i think is very lovecraftian the town of like the some people seem to know something there's a secret and we don't even know who's friendly and who's not there were times right. in that game i thought like i was going to get off by the bartender <laughs> you know i really didn't know right. who was going to be an ally to our character
1: and the idea of a person of science being so overwhelmed by observations that they can't explain yes uh, is also very lovecraftian um but yeah let's talk about that there about the uh townsfolk there are a bunch of people you meet along the way and Mm -hmm. some of the most threatening people turn out to be your allies and some of the most uh friendly people turn out to be conspiring deeply against you yeah One of the first people you meet is this man named Arthur Tillett.
0: Arthur. Good old Arthur Tillett. You know, we had a real bad run in, but he ended up being an ally throughout the whole thing.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. You first encounter him when he just, like, comes up and starts hitting on you and tries to kiss you. He's He's drunk. drunk. He's stumbling outside of a tavern. I think the very first playthrough... Because I was like timid about it, uh, not wanting to alienate any characters because I didn't know if this was a game based on like your choices have consequences later on. And it's it's not really like your choices will affect achievements on Steam, but they won't really affect the narrative that much. <laughs> I
0: was wondering about that. The game had me wondering because yeah, you do get these dialogue choices and they're based on like trust. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, the bartender will ask you, what did you do last night? I'm I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. And you can say like, oh, be honest. You trust him or uh, just kind of make it vague. Don't tell him because you don't trust him. So I was kind of wondering if that mechanic did anything. What do you think about that? What do you think about a mechanic that offers you choices, but they don't, ultimately they don't affect the end of the game? What is your opinion?
1: Hmm. Well, okay. So I'll say this. They do affect, like there are scenes that you miss. or variations of scenes like the scene happens but it happens a little differently depending on what you choose but it's hard because I think it's good if you can let go of your like completionist ideas uh, and you can suspend your disbelief I think when you have games that have choices I always get stressed out about like, how uh, do I know I'm making the right choice? Should yeah. I save and try both choices and see what happens? And then am I going to have to play the whole game twice? Like I get all in my head about it. But I think the best thing to do is give yourself over to it and be like, okay, how do I feel in this moment? And I'm just going to go through. You could always play the game again if you want to.
0: Yeah. Um, or, you know, say, you... You know restore, a load a previous thing.
1: Right. How do you feel about it?
0: I'm having heard you say that I'm actually a little more conflicted about it now because part of me is like, I'm a little disappointed, right? Because I am somebody who is very serious about my choices in these games. Right. Uh, when I play games that have choices, I am full in, you know what I mean? I want right. to go this, this route, but you are right. in that it, it doesn't exactly do nothing. It does. It, your choices will trigger certain scenes. Um, I do recall that happening right. now. And,
1: And all art is illusion, right? Like every piece of art is generally trying to make you feel something deeper than the thing actually is. Uh, So if you feel as you're playing, like your chances, your choices matter, then they did for the sake of that piece of art, even if technically they didn't.
0: Yeah. And it's also just nice to have a character because you are playing a narrative. It's nice to have Mm -hmm. a character that has different you know dialogue choices you know right. it's not it's not terribly different from like curse of monkey island where you get or grim where you get a ton a ton of dialogue trees and they don't exactly change the the, the ending you know it's going to end change, the way it ends
1: yeah and in most of those games like they don't change anything besides what the person says to you right afterwards
0: correct yeah correct
1: <laughs> every now and then in an adventure game there will be it'll be like uh, you can make a person so mad they stop talking to you, but usually <laughs> it's a person who like is gonna stop talking to you either way. But if yeah. you've made them mad, you'll click on them and they'll be like, "Buzz off!" And if you didn't make them mad, you'll, your character will just be like, "I have nothing more to say to them." <laughs> like it's <laughs> like
0: it's basically
1: the same thing. But... Yeah,
0: yeah. But I guess because it had this trust. Th- like theme going on, mm-hmm. I really wanted to make the right decisions for Thomasina. You know, they give yeah, they give Thomasina such a sad and yet, quote, like inspiring story. You know, her dad was an excavator who had an accident and was comatose, basically. So he doesn't he's paralyzed. He doesn't talk. i I don't think he reacts to anything, but he is alive, essentially. And right. so she had a very strong bond with her father. And he taught her how to excavate. He really sparked her love for excavation, mm-hmm. and now she wants to follow in his footsteps. And so there's this, just there's some very nice storyline elements for that. And I, I just want things to turn out good for Thomasina. But right. I guess the game with the choices it gives you, like trust, don't trust, your fate is basically set as soon as you get on the island. Like a lot of folk <laughs> horror, you know, your fa- right. it's there. You you went to that island. Your fate is set, and that's it.
1: Did you slap Arthur?
0: Did I? No, I I don't think I slapped him. I do not think (laughs) I slapped him.
1: So my first playthrough, I think, again, like I I was saying, I was trying to make all the right choices and I was afraid things were going to come back to haunt me. So I think I was really gracious to him Uh, and just like, okay, he's drunk. It's it's fine. I know he doesn't mean it. But then in this playthrough, I slapped him and he comes back and he's just kind of like, he's just kind of like, yeah, uh, I deserved that.
0: (laughs) Oh, nice. Nice. Like I think Very at first
1: nice. he like calls you a bitch and walks away, and then later he comes back and he's like, "That that was my bad, <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. dude." Uh, and he comes he comes off as like a cad because the next time you see him, he cons you into giving him a drink and he runs away.
0: Right. Although we later find out that there is something to that, a which more you kind of know right yeah. away. Like in in a in a folk horror, when things are not going well, mm-hmm. like something's afoot. You know, especially had- when when people disappear. I thought Arthur was not coming back. I thought that that's what the game was setting up with that little thing. Right. Because generally in, in something horror, if somebody disappears, they don't come back. So I'm going to give a lot of credit <laughs> to the game and the writers here for bringing him back alive and making him more part of the game. I was actually very I found that refreshing and I liked it a lot. That's a big positive to me.
1: They do that a lot. And there's a lot of themes that just recur and recur in this game. And when we get to the spoiler section, I do want to talk to you about what might, I think, might have been going on with Arthur Tillett. I think okay. there's more than the game explains. But oh. there is this theme with Thomasina of men letting her down and disappearing or running out on
0: mm-hmm.
1: her um, from her father. Yeah. Leaving on an excavation, and there's a flashback where she's very upset with him and coming back comatose. Right. And now she spends the rest of her life sort of chasing this lost father. Uh, right. By again, trying to, like you said, trying to follow in his footsteps and visiting him comatose at the hospital constantly. Yeah. Uh, and then in the game, the. First thing that happens to you is the character you're there to meet isn't there, just doesn't show up.
0: That's right. And yeah, that's right. N- nobody
1: knows where this guy is. And then the second thing that happens to you is Arthur Tillett asks for a drink and says he'll give you this information and then disappears. And disappears, and then, like, yeah. I-, I mean, there's stuff that happens in between this. But then the third big thing that happens to you is your assistant, Kenneth, who's supposed to meet you in Bewley with your money and your equipment. The train shows up and he's not there.
0: And he and forgets he... to send you your money. Like he, he sends you, send you equipment and didn't send you mm-hmm. any money.
1: And he sends you a letter just saying, <laughs> oh, something important happened in London. I won't be there.
0: I wonder about that. I wonder, like, because kind of like we were saying about fate in folk horror, like, did yeah. something happen to Kenneth? We'll never know because the way this game ends, you you're not going to know.
1: Yeah, it leaves it leaves a question, and yeah, like you're saying, I don't have that much experience with folk horror, or horror, but it reminds me of In Midsommar, how often people debate everything that happens in that movie and are like, well, was this masterminded? Was this yeah. suicide actually a murder? Was this accident actually something that somebody orchestrated? And the answer is, you don't know, and you'll never yes, you know
0: but that you're right you're so right though there's a theme of abandonment in general because there's also this is very interesting there's also a point where um you meet a worker of a nobleman who is like what what's his status what the, what is the nobleman's status they have like a governor
1: he's he's the lord he owns he's the, the land
0: yeah mm-hmm. so he owns Bewley, essentially And you meet one of his, like, maids slash workers, and she wants to get out of this situation. She doesn't want to be a cleaner or a maid, and she's waiting for the milkman. She's kind of having a romance with the town's milkman, and he doesn't get there. Something's wrong. And so we have to go. We, We promise that we'll go find him, and we do, and we kind of find him just in time. He was clearly somebody had it out for him or they were sending a warning message because he was all tied up with these hallucinogenic flowers and we save him, essentially. I think that's really interesting. I think it's really interesting that Thomasina, nobody ever saves anyone for her and yet she's doing all of this saving for other people.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, in fact, as she's doing all that, as she's doing all this stuff to help the town, um, help various people in the town granted she's doing it all for her own ends anything she does to help somebody is to get a favor back in return but as she's doing all this like this town largely is conspiring against her
0: did you feel that every character was conspiring or do you think there was an element of these characters are allies for the most part
1: i i think i have i I think there are about three characters in the game, and we'll talk about this later okay. in the spoiler section, but I think there are about three characters in the game that are not conspiring against her and everybody else's. Speaking of making choices, a character, to, a priest looks at you and says, do you believe in God, Ms. Bateman? Yeah. How did you answer that?
0: I don't remember. I, I didn't, I said, I think I went like, if there was an agnostic choice of some sort, I probably went with that or I'm a, a person of science. I did not say I believed. I know that for sure.
1: So there yeah, there are two options and one is saying you don't believe. Right. The other uh the other one like saying yeah, saying you're a person of science and you you know don't believe. Yeah, I think I super...
0: said I'm like a person of science.
1: The other one is saying that your mind is open to it, I think, and it, it says next to it in parentheses lie.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Which is interesting. So you make this important choice early in the game. I don't know what ripples that has uh, yeah. throughout the game, but Thomasina is a person of no faith. It right. just states it right there. Regardless of how you answer for her, the game tells you she doesn't believe in anything. And crucially, she thinks she gets that from her dad.
0: Yes, she does. Uh, she has been taught, you know, in, in the UK, there are these fairy rings. It's kind of a little urban legend. Some people, I think, still believe, but uh, a lot of the time, fairy rings are like rings of mushrooms. And right. she believes, as a, as a young girl, she believes mm-hmm. in fairy rings and fairies. And her dad says, nope. I hate to tell you this, but that ain't real. It's all nonsense. And so anytime now in adulthood, anytime Thomasina sees something that's beyond science, she just kind of wheels it away and says it's hogwash. And that's because she learned that from her father. Her father was also a man of science.
1: Right. And she states multiple times when people start to... um... When she she starts to learn certain things about her father, she's kind of like, "Well, that can't be true because my dad doesn't believe in this stuff." Right. Uh, I want to talk. Th- oh man, there's so much to talk about with this game. Uh, I know. The color palette, for example.
0: the the earthy The earthy greens and browns,
1: except for there's one there's one screen that we return to often, where this this color palette is vibrant and bright and. Oh. Very pretty.
0: Let me think. And, let me think. Yeah. You said we revisit it often? Yes. Oh, gosh. Is it our bedroom?
1: No. It okay. is the flashback
0: <gasps>
1: Oh, to our father. When... When Thomasina's father is still in her life, the flashbacks are all in this beautiful, lush garden full of like gr- like bright greens and That's right. colorful flowers and a white house. And then in flashbacks where he's already in his coma, they're in a dark uh hospital room. Dingy. And yeah. The entire rest of the game, you're in these grey, earthy tones. Most days in Bewley it's raining.
0: Yep, um, or foggy and just kind of gross in general.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then towards the e- end, as things become a little bit more supernatural, the color purple just starts dominating yeah. e- every scene, Um, which, again, we'll get into a little bit more in spoilers. Okay, Roses. Yes. Are you ready to play the new Save Your Game game show?
0: What? Me? I'm being I I me, I'm being chosen. Woo! Yes, I'm I'm ready.
1: Selected from the crowd to play. (laughs) I'm
0: ready, Bob.
1: To play What Do My Pants Weigh?
0: Oh no, I don't like this game.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So adventure game characters are known almost ubiquitously for carrying a ton of inventory items around with them all the time and most of them don't have any sort of pack or satchel or <laughs> any carrying device whatsoever largely people keep every single thing they find in their pants so i want to, to ask you roses What do you think the largest amount of weight that Thomasina Bateman is (laughs) carrying in her pants at any given time in this video game? Oh,
0: God. Okay, so I have to think, because I I know, what do I I I got the book, I got the journal early on, so I remember that. There's like a knife. I'm trying to Mm -hmm. think if she has anything insane in her inventory. And I can't think of anything, too. Oh, well, does she has the bow? How does she even fit the bow in her pants? How does she even fit that in there?
1: yeah how she she yeah she has a fiddle and a bow that it, she keeps in her pants and i will say she has a fiddle and her bow in her pants at the same time that she has a paraffin lantern <laughs> right? A, a masonry chisel because she uses it to chisel out rocks several times in that's the game. right so it's, the chisel. it's not just like a little wood chisel it is a masonry chisel
0: sometimes like a bucket a whole bucket of milk a
1: whole, a whole, bucket, whole bucket of milk of, a
0: whole bucket of milk
1: That she has at the same time as she has the fiddle. Yes.
0: I'm going to say 30 pounds of stuff because of the milk, because of that bucket of goat milk.
1: So I totaled up. The uh, the uh like estimated weights of all the objects she's carrying, and okay. it is when she has the bucket of milk that she is carrying the most objects that she is in the entire game. She oh, has, uh, <laughs> she has a knife, she has an apple, she has a fiddle with a bow, she has a trowel, a paraffin lantern, a chisel, a a, a letter like an ammo knife, pa- like she has <laughs> so much of a journal. She has so much in her pants at that point period of time. She's carrying 21 pounds, oh, hey, <laughs> 21.13555 pounds. That's so
0: annoying. And it's not even objects. in a backpack. It's just in her pants. In her pants. But,
1: you know, she is wearing suspenders.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, th- okay. Well, thank God for that. Well, now I believe it. Now I've suspended <laughs> my disbelief. And because of the suspenders, clearly this is rooted in reality.
1: We also have to <laughs> mention the fact that this game, Roses, has a loose crank.
0: It oh my god, it does. It has a loose, cra- have has a loose crank. Have we gone into this before? We have have not, we done but, our oh god?
1: We have not, but we should come up with okay. Listeners, <laughs> if you want to send this in, if somebody wants to make us a little like alarm, like little theme song for when a game has a loose crank in it, because. This is a thing that drives me nuts about adventure games (laughs) is how in 70% of them, you come across some like slot that they're like, oh, this looks like some sort of widget, but it's missing a crank or sometimes a (laughs) lever. And then later... You just find scattered about the world a loose crank, and you're like, "Oh, guess I will go back and put the crank in the hole and crank the thing." Like, roses, how many times in real life have you found a loose crank on the ground?
0: Never, never, <laughs> never, never, ever
1: once. Never once. How about a loose lever? No. Yeah. How about a loose uh, loose switch? A loose any sort no. of any sort of simple machinery. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, nope, I I've never come across one. And like these loose yeah. like cranks, they're in very like in this game. It was in a very obvious like you could see it. It's like, yeah. "Oh, a loose crank."
1: They're everywhere. It, once it's that sort of thing that once you see it, you can't stop seeing how many loose cranks there are in like every yep. single adventure game. And uh, you know, there's a lot of like the uh, adventure game standard inventory items in this game right like you get your knife you get your lantern you get like a handkerchief that you have to use to pick up a broken piece of glass like all the normal yeah. stuff but i i could not believe i thought i was free of the loose cranks in no, excavation of Bonfero, and then i find myself holding a loose crank
0: there's loose cranks everywhere we almost called this <laughs> podcast loose cranks. loose
1: cranks but we thought it would sound too much like naming your improv troupe uh mixed nuts <laughs> <laughs> like a little, just a little too cheesy. Uh, like, oh, we're a couple of loose cranks, me and you.
0: <laughs> or it's it could almost sound like pornographic. So I'm like, maybe not. Maybe, oh, come, not on, now. <laughs> come <What>? on now, come on now. What? I'm just saying.
1: So before we get into spoilers, I do also want to talk about real quick the idea of um, folk traditions, uh, and they are all throughout this game. There's first of all. I didn't know this until I listened to the commentary. The game was based around an actual antiquarian named Thomas Bateman, who excavated a place called Hobhurst's Hall. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, And I I, I believe uh, I might be mixing up anecdotes from the developers, but I also believe that this Hobhurst Hall was there there was folklore in the town about there being some sort of goblin
0: yeah and the the game does and we'll get more into the spoilers but they do the game does take from real legends like they're not making they're not they're not necessarily making up legends in urban myth they're inspired by somewhere
1: right even there's a point where a little boy is talking about fighting some kind of worm do you remember what what it was called i do
0: yeah i don't remember what it was called but now that but thank you for yeah. bringing that conversation back up yeah because he said he saw it
1: he said yeah he said he saw it so again this is something i learned from the developer's commentary apparently that's just another folk legend it doesn't have to do with the rest of the plot of the game but they they <laughs> that they might make a game about that worm in the future but
0: that'd be amazing i love that
1: there's a point where her father sings a song called the Barrow Digger Song, which is an supposedly an actual folk song about that was sung by barrow diggers. Nice. <laughs> that the developers found in a, in a in some old book about the, like a history of the subject. Uh, they talk about fairy rings. Yeah, they talk yep. about goblin lore. It's it's really interesting, and I think like, um. At, at some point, you come across this, like, weird demon head um, that is based on a real mask that is part of English folk history. The mask is called uh, the Dorset User.:
0: Nice.
1: And it's just, like, this wooden head mask that was found, uh, yeah, found somewhere in England, and then in 1981, or 1987, yeah, stolen... And has never been found again. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, that's that's slightly horrifying. Uh- <laughs> so there's, so it's,
1: that's another interesting thing about this game is there's just there you can take the things that they talk about in this game and you could go research them and there's history behind so much of it.
0: And I think this kind of stuff is very traditional and works so well. With adventure games because if you think about some of the first mainstream graphic adventure games they were they had a lot of fairy tale settings a lot of sometimes folklore as well um i think those things kind of hold hands i i love i love fairy tales i love folklore that's the kind of fantasy that i really like more so than like wizards and elves like (laughs) i love me some like folklore i think that stuff is so interesting I mean my my first experience with an adventure game was King's Quest three, which had like the three bears in it, yeah, and like other in and, and pirates and stuff like that. So I think that the folklore in Hobbs is so fitting for this kind mm-hmm. of for this kind of game honestly, and it's it's amazing,
1: speaking of King's Quest, how much do you think King Grandpants weigh?
0: oh God, I mean
1: how much him pants weigh
0: how much him pants weigh? you have no idea how much stuff. <laughs> I put in my pants in all the King's Quest games. I do, because I did it too. Yeah. I'm going to say Alexander might have had it the worst in King's Quest 6. We put some like weird stuff in our pants. And a lot of it was liquid, and I don't quite understand.
1: (laughs) We'll definitely come back around and play uh, How Much Do My Pants Weigh in future episodes. (laughs) But okay. Roses, do you want to, just for a brief few seconds, play our interstitial music? so that people can get the heck out of here if they don't want to hear spoilers. And that is a great
0: idea, Matt.
1: And if they want to rejoin us after this conversation, we'll play the same music again at the end.
0: Okay, perfect. At the end of this Okay, we will okay. see you then.
1: She murders her father.
0: Whoa, whoa, Matt. You can't <laughs> just. We're in spoiler section. Oh my God. Uh. <laughs> well, oh, man. that's yeah. the episode. <laughs> da, 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 da.
1: <laughs> uh, that's true. She does murder her father. Yeah. Now that we're in the spoiler section, I think it's important to talk about. Like, I think this game is about. So it's about Thomas cena undoing her father's life work like he okay so to catch people up um the town was basically all in on this conspiracy everybody except do you know the three i was talking about earlier
0: I'm going to say the priest was not in yes, on this because he probably thought it was blasphemous and he was right.
1: The priest was not in. He was on our side the whole time.
0: Yeah. I, I'm going to say perhaps the holistic medicine woman, Mother Mildred.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, as you Oh, said, do her we have name, different answers? As you said her name, I just added two more to the list. Yeah, there's, there's okay. a couple more.
0: The older woman who made the Bakewells, the Bakewell pudding. I was going to
1: say her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you you have one more on your list? Arthur Tillett. Oh, Arthur Tillett. Okay. See, I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna debate me on Arthur. But yes, I would say Arthur Tillett no. is an ally. What I about, think something wait.
1: is happening with Arthur Tillett. But yeah, there's one more I just thought of. Yeah, go ahead.
0: What about uh, what's his name? Cyril? Cyril Cyril,
1: the cranky yeah. old man who is nothing but mean to you. Him and the priest show up right before you dig the barrel yes. and they're like, this is your one this. last chance. Yeah. Don't do this.
0: Yeah, um, he knew. For whatever reason, Cyril mm-hmm. was in on it and knew that something bad was happening.
1: And then almost every other character in the game you see entering the evil church at the end, which we'll get to. So they are all conspiring to get you to dig up this barrow. So apparently, you find out throughout the game that your father was here and dug up Hobbs' barrow 25 years ago. And it was his exposure to whatever was in Hobbs Barrow that number one drove him insane and made him catatonic for the rest of his life. Number two drove the person whose farm Hobbs Barrow is on his brother who used to own the farm uh, during that excavation, he lost his hand somehow and came out um, paranoid and then killed yeah, himself.
0: Traumatized, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And then there is a third person who you don't find out until near the very end was Leonard Shoulder, the man who called you, yeah, to the guy who to, Hobbs who
0: Barrow. lured us there. So Hobbs Barrow, you have to go to a farm. It's not a farm. It's in. Yeah. It's in like the moors of a somebody's farm. Do you think the farmer was an ally or was he in on it, trying to? Because we had to. People were not letting us excavate. That's part of the adventure yeah. game, like puzzle design is right. we were trying really hard to excavate this barrow. And the guy whose land it was on was like, nope, can't let you do it. It drove my brother insane. But we end up, I don't know, something happened where he changed his mind or we we convinced him to let us go dig.
1: That's a good, yeah, we, um, how, yeah, how do we change his mind? I think we're just persistent. <laughs> um,
0: I think we're just persistent because we're not going to stop. And, and
1: we yeah. show him the stone that is identical to the stone his brother had.
0: Yeah. I think that he thinks that maybe there there will be closure because he lost his brother
1: mm-hmm.
0: to this horrific thing. And maybe something can be changed. Because remember that during this game, right. Thomasina starts to see things and have dreams. And she's being told she could actually save her father if she follows if she like excavates if she follows this this storyline you know right so um, i wonder if the farmer thought the same thing like maybe there could be closure maybe she can save her father
1: right I, I i think yeah i wonder if i hadn't thought about that about the farmer i thought he was just trying to wash his hands of it all but maybe maybe yeah. he he felt he could get some closure in it i think my theory about arthur tillett he is having so much trouble remembering things yeah. He And at one point, he gets um, accosted by, he says, a man in a mask. This is when he goes to the bathroom while he's yeah. about to tell you all about Leonard's shoulder and then disappears at the beginning of the game. I wonder, so eventually we find, and this is something else I'm, I'm curious about and wonder what you think. Uh, you brought this up before. We find the milkman tied to a road sign yeah. with flowers hallucinogenic flowers stuffed in his mouth yes i wonder if those hallucinogenic hallucinogenic flowers are being used on arthur tillit too because he seems more than just a drunk
0: yes yes there are several instances in the game where he's like oh i'm he's like looking off into the middle distance trying to remember something i do think that yes i do think he is being uh, drugged essentially Um, now I I do want to say, I didn't, I didn't, I had to look this up. I didn't get this because Mm -hmm. I I missed something in the game. So that guy who is tied to the road sign with the flowers, as soon as you save him, there's a cutscene that happens right away and it, it transports you to a different location. You can go back and look at that road sign and you can look at the flowers and it'll describe them as hallucinogenic flowers. And as Uh, soon as you know that. There's a lot of there's a lot of theories that kind of come into play on what's really happening.
1: Well, so the another thing you might have missed, and I only caught it because the director's commentary is y- there are two men in the pub the day before and they are talking angrily about some guy and mm-hmm. they say uh, if he thinks he can take it from here. And then some like vague threat, like, uh, okay, he's got another thing coming, or we're gonna show him. And right before you walk off, you have to walk through the town to get to where the his name's Edward Ambrose, where he's tied up to the road sign. Yeah. And one of those men from the pub is walking the opposite direction, walking from. Where he is, really, so they are talking about him, and I don't know what the hell they are talking about when they when they say if he thinks he can take it from here, he is planning on running away mm-hmm. with one of the maids of Lord Panwick, who is yeah the lord of the area, and he ends up being the big bad of the game, yeah um
0: pan panswick
1: panswick, yeah,
0: panswick, yeah.
1: So I don't know what they're referring to. That's something I, I thought I'd throw to you and see if you have any theories.
0: I don't. I didn't. No, I don't. I'd have to kind yeah. of relook at it. I'm sure I could come up with plenty of theories <laughs> uh, if I had noticed it. But
1: he doesn't seem to have any goals besides selling his milk and, yeah, running away with that girl. So I don't know what they th- they're referring to when they says if say if he thinks he can take it away from here.
0: Do you think that he the the milkman? was a an ally and wanted to escape not just with his love but to get help because like th- this town it, this is a town where it's like if you're in we don't really want you to leave because there's a secret here you're kind of just stuck yeah. Here.
1: yeah maybe they're talking about the secret right <laughs> like if he yeah. thinks he can take his knowledge of this town away from here but he doesn't do anything to help you and he doesn't tell you any sort of right. He doesn't give you any sort of hints as to what you might face. Uh, then That's again, he's hallucinating when you meet him.
0: So there are these quote feral children that live in the moors, and you come across one and it's it's very folk horror. Like you see mm-hmm. her playing her her violin yeah, she's got like, on top of a rock.
1: She's got like bright like whitish blonde hair and she's wearing right. a sack dress it could not be more folk horror.
0: yeah exactly so i'm i'm just kind of wondering was the point of that to set more atmosphere because that's totally fine it is totally fine to have simply have visuals that don't necessarily link to a greater plot point but do mm. you think that the feral child was l- involved in it? is does she know leonard's shoulder is she trying mm. to do something with Thomasina, like mystify her with with music or with hallucinogens.
1: That's interesting because there's somebody at some point in the game who calls her the Devil's daughter. I says think the that priest.
0: I think the, the priest Devil's
1: daughter um, has been seen around yeah. the cairn dancing or playing music or something like that at some point she gives you a fiddle bow that's broken and you have to go fix it you bring it back to her she plays the fiddle on this cairn the devil's toe and you pass out right and you wake up she's gone and the fiddles there and then later you have to use that fiddle to enter the deepest chambers of the barrow and we'll real soon i think get to what the barrow is and what all this is leading to but in essence yeah she leads you to your ultimate fate
0: yeah i'm wondering if she is either because it seems like the people who are conspiring even though they act like they're not um they kind of know what they're doing so she could for me that character could either be a part of it she's just kind of playing a role or she is part of this this folklore like she is like this maybe evil
1: yeah, the daughter of the evil thing in the barrow, right? Because
0: weird shit happens. I mean,
1: so most of the game you're being not led around directly, but guided in certain senses, and definitely watched by a cat who is also a goblin named Saxnut. S- and
0: I, I, I would rather not say that Saxnut really
1: and Saxnut <laughs> <laughs> Saxnut. <laughs> you find was a goblin who was who was just like a somewhat innocent goblin living near or in the barrow, uh, and you know, I guess occasionally playing little tricks on the town of Beuly. Like they tell a couple stories about a goblin and a cobbler. Um and at some point discovers this evil thing in Hobbs Barrow, tries to do his best to put like to contain this evil thing or to put a stop to this evil thing and instead gets taken over by him and becomes a tool of this thing. I felt so
0: bad. I felt so so, bad for the goblin.
1: So through the game, he's been leading you to your fate, which is freeing this thing. Uh, When I said earlier though, that there were a bunch of people unconsciously conspiring against you, I was talking about all the children in the village. right. Um, because there are a bunch of children who are also trying to keep the secret of Hobbes Barrow from you and who also sort of guide you towards the wrong decisions. But, I, you know, I don't think they're doing it on purpose. I think no, they're, they're kids.
0: Just, yeah. Yeah.
1: Their parents told them, hey, don't tell anybody about this thing. And yeah. And so they tell the lies that they're supposed to tell.
0: Yeah. And I think with Arthur Tillett, I think he is just a good person that... Yeah. Just got caught up in it, and is also right. essentially being used as a tool, just like the goblin.
1: Back to the secret of Hobbes Barrow, um, you find out that your dad was here. Um, he excavated Hobbes Barrow with his other people. They all had these horrible fates, and mm-hmm. um, what he discovered deep in the barrow was that a dead and for- or an old and forgotten god <laughs> named Abraxis Rex was contained in this barrow and used to i guess what bestow luck or good fortune on the people of Bewley?
0: that's what the people of buley said that's what they say yeah
1: we don't actually know um and he is basically represented by this purple light anytime Thomasina keeps having this dream, these dreams that are bathed in purple light. Uh, a lot of times that she has flashbacks, there's a purple light that happens before she does. Um, and when she gets into the barrow, it's just all purple light everywhere.
0: Right. Um, and also, keep in mind, the flowers are also purple. I thought that was interesting.
1: The hallucinogenic flowers?
0: Yeah. Pinky purple. Yep.
1: Interesting. I didn't notice that. I yeah. did notice one thing that I'll see if you did. I'll bring it up towards the end, but... So her dad did this ritual to bind Abraxas Rex to the burial mound, to Hobbs Barrow, and then it drives him insane. That becomes right. his life work. When he was just an antiquarian trying to discover the secrets of the universe, in st- uh, the, or the secrets of man, rather, he discovers the secret of the universe and gives up his life to contain it.
0: Right. And then...
1: His removal from his own daughter's life is the driving factor that leads her to follow the same path and undo the most important thing he's ever done.
0: Do you remember? There's a flashback where the mom is after after the guy after the dad becomes catatonic. The mom is right. is devastated and shocked, and she starts burning all of his notes and his journals. Yes, and you pick up a piece, and it says Abraxas on it. Yes. Yeah. And you're like, what's this? And, and she's like, she's like just put it in the fire. Yeah, yeah, just put it in the fire. So, um, yeah, it's just coming to terms with this person that you thought you knew. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you believe that the dad character was trying to protect Thomasina by saying everything is hogwash, no knowing what he knew about Hobbs Barrow?
1: I, I have, I'm of two minds about this. Either he didn't have any, and I think This is wrong. Either he didn't have (laughs) spiritual beliefs until he found uh, the God in the Barrow. uh, But that can't be true because he had the spell already to bind the God when he got there. So I don't know. Maybe you're right. I think there is definitely something to be said there about this idea of as parents, maybe we uh, hide certain aspects of ourselves from our children to protect them. Sure. When, when, the specific act of hiding it from Thomasina led to her, her ruin. And again, the potentially the like maybe destruction of the earth. Who knows? Pot- like, yeah. Know. I mean,
0: that's, that yeah. would be Lovecraftian if you do it yeah. wrong. Yeah. But I think more so more than like destruction of the earth. I think there were just these set of care, like cult going characters that wanted the original God back, right? So, in the town yeah. of Beulie, you have the Catholic Church, but prior to that, there was another church, um, a different yes. thing that that worshipped a different God, and we later find that God is Abraxas, and the Lord is trying to get that church back up because he's the first, and it, that it, this is um, validated by some of the research I did about Abraxas. He's like the forgotten God, the God that's beyond gods. Like how can okay. we forget this God? So
1: yeah, there is a there's a puzzle in the barrow. So we, again, eventually Thomasina makes it into the barrow, and it's basically the f- there's one day <laughs> in the story where you have to do a lot of puzzles, but most of the game is led by uh, narrative rather than puzzles. Yes, until you get in the barrow, and then it's just puzzle room after puzzle room after puzzle. Yeah, room. and one of those puzzles is getting every. The head of all these other, what seem like gods, to look towards Abraxas.
0: Yes, they all have to be looking at Abraxas.
1: So, yeah, the idea that this is a forgotten god, but sort of a leader amongst gods makes sense.
0: Yes, definitely. And
1: Rex means king.
0: I'm of like two minds when it comes Mm -hmm. to like folk horror, but... Because of the nature of folk horror, I do tend to take it quite literally. So right. it is my belief in this game that this god does exist and, mm-hmm. he, and these characters are going the wrong route, essentially. As though I don't think it's just a cult that's following nothing. I think mostly in folk horror yeah. that we can take that literally, like the gods well, of, of H.P. Lovecraft.
1: Well, I think it is, I think it is literal. Um, because I think some of these supernatural characters have had tangible effects on the world throughout the story. And the game ends with... We'll talk about Thomasina's end in a minute, but the game ends with all those characters who were conspiring against you going into this rebuilt ancient church and then a purple light filling the room. So I think, yeah, they're definitely is a reality that they're dealing with.
0: There is another theory that Mm -hmm. a couple people have gone into depth with, and it's about those purple hallucinogenic flowers. So when you enter Hobbs Barrow in the first room, there are flowers and you do have to interact with them. And because they are hallucinogenic, um, people speculated that maybe, maybe what happened was Thomasina just kind of lost her mind and none of this stuff was really happening, or the purple could represent some kind of hallucination, some kind of mental unwellness.
1: And her dad lost her, mi- lost his mind, right? Like everybody else that has interacted with the barrow has lost their minds based on the yeah. hallucinogens. And some of the people are just sort of crazed believers, and others are. So,
0: mm-hmm. like when that church at the end was turning purple when people were going in there, is that meant to represent? Are they? doing more cult-like activities? Or are they doing the, are they worshiping and then getting oh, right. high are on these hallucinogenic drugs. flowers?
1: Yeah. That's interesting. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. I, I don't know how um, the farmer lost his hand. In right. that case, I <laughs> right. don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how Thomasina ended up with a fiddle. <laughs> right. I don't know. Like there's a lot of, very physical things that happen and are witnessed by other characters
0: yeah i just think it's interesting because there is such a human element of human beings conspiring together to push otherwise Mm -hmm. paranormal things like obviously that the the journal was pushed underneath her her room for her bedroom door for example so it's it's like both right uh, Right. in my opinion i do take it literally i do think in this particular story there is a horror that has been unleashed Uh, but i do think it's interesting to think about like if the characters were all just cult-like and conspiring and just helping each other out to get what they want so they could worship this other entity
1: i agree and i also agree i also think that's what makes good horror, good folktales is this idea. Was it real or was it not? I guess not good folktales. Most folktales are uh, pretty, (laughs) pretty direct. It's pretty much like this person went and did this thing and then this happened (laughs) is like, but, uh, but people's modern reinterpretations of folktales when they're done well often have this air of like, you don't know if I'm, if I, the author am suggesting this is real or not.
0: I want to talk, I want to talk about the ending.
1: Yeah, that so, is what
0: I want to talk about.
1: <laughs> so Thomasina gets to the, gets through the barrow, um, and again, basically with the guidance of Saxnut <laughs> and mm-hmm. sort of reverse engineering her father's writings in the journal that the cult members slipped to her, she undoes the bindings of Abraxis and sets him free. Yeah, there's another color based thing that happens did you did you happen to notice
0: like when she's out of it yeah i know that she gets sort of almost possessed by some kind of blinding light
1: and her kerchief that she's wearing the whole game turns from red to purple
0: oh okay i good catch really good catch
1: (laughs) thanks and in the very beginning you see the uh, the the basically the cold open scene again um Mm -hmm. and i noticed it this time and that in a way that i didn't notice the first time i played the game she doesn't say a word
0: yeah when she's She's so the beginning of the game
1: she's walking up to basically this hospital And a man is standing outside just, like, making casual chit-chat with her and then says, you know, it's raining and you're probably getting cold. You should head inside. And then she heads inside. But the whole time she's not talking. She's just standing there staring. Yeah. And so you see that scene again and now you know why. Or at least you could gather why she's not talking.
0: See, and I, I just thought, like, this guy was boring the hell out of her. And like right. yeah of course she doesn't want it to th-. but then at the end when they go back to present day I'm like oh yeah.
1: yeah you're walking down the hallway then of the hospital and anytime a nurse interacts with you they basically explode into blood and gore yes um, and you enter your father's room and the urn that he gave gave you like a little fake little archaeology dig one time Yeah. Um. that Set your imagination alight. Yeah. uh, About antiquarianism. You pick it up and you bash him (sighs) to death. Then it's
0: really sad and really jarring.
1: Not only did you undo his work, you killed him. The name of that chapter is Vindicta. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Which means revenge. Also, oh, here's a fun little bit of trivia before we keep going on this. Uh, First day, the chapter is called Adventus, which means arrival. Second day, the chapter is called Expiscon. E-X-P-I-S-C-O-N. How would you pronounce that? Expiscon. Anyway. Expision, expision, which means discover in Latin. Third day is called Encantamentum, which was actually uh, supposed to be the name of the game.
0: That's a cool name, but also it's kind of a tough name. I can see why (laughs) maybe they changed. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to remember that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I I don't have an exact translation for this, but encanta means to sing or recite and mentum means like an instrument or a medium. So basically, I guess it means like a... Like to cast
0: like to cast magic, I thought it might mean.
1: Oh, right. Oh, okay. So yeah, because you're reciting you're the instrument. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you're crafting a spell i guess yeah so yeah you thomasina is taken over by abraxas who uses her to get his revenge on her dad and kill him uh, then you find out that the whole game is being narrated in a letter to thomasina's mom mm-hmm. from jail where sweet yeah. little arthur tillit visits her every yeah week.
0: arthur is his arthur is the only one who visits thomasina yeah and i wonder if, if you're mean so to sad. him
1: in the game does he still
0: I think he... That's a great question. I would love (laughs) to know that. Because, yeah, so you do have those choices. Um, Yeah, the ending is so jarring because, (laughs) I mean, I lost my dad when I was 14. I had a very close relationship. So as I'm Mm -hmm. playing this game, I'm seeing this close relationship, this story, unfold. And then she murders her father, presumably under possession, presumably yes. under possession of Abraxas because he's just getting his revenge she's, on being. And she's yeah. still
1: wearing the purple handkerchief, even though she's yeah. got her formal dress on.
0: I found the ending letter to be very interesting because she made a comment about like being. There are some comments about being like mentally unwell. And I'm just kind of curious if they're trying to say that thomasina has some of those problems and that that could cause her also could cause her to murder somebody or or act up and it's interesting as well because they say her mom was always very cold to thomasina and i want to know why i want to know why the mom was always cold to her daughter
1: so you're wondering if there is some sort of violence to thomasina that is implied but we don't see
0: Correct. Yeah. Is there something she, else influencing her?
1: Was she maybe like a, uh, a cruel or violent child?
0: I think the the relationship between her and her dad was weird. Like, you could, they had these heartwarming moments, but then he would leave and she would say, I hate you. And, yeah. you know, it, it was just a little bizarre to me. It wasn't your typical father-daughter relationship. Yeah. And again, why was the mom always... Always so cold. There's just an implication there that Thomasina might have her own problems, just being influenced by something else. It's not enough to like murder people, <laughs> no, right? It's it's not enough. Obviously, I I have mental problems and I can't explode people into you know bloody pulps <laughs> yeah, Although uh, that'd be amazing, <laughs> but it's uh, just yeah. it, it is interesting that they set that up as well. They're just I think they're just setting up multiple theories
1: yeah i think so too and i I get that this ending is brutal and it's brutal
0: guys Um, understand that (laughs) this is not what i wanted
1: (laughs) but i i can't think of another way this story could have ended if thomasina had beaten if there was a big confrontation with Abraxas and she beat it beat him like then what happens then that she has to fight all the members of the town uh right Or, you know, are they all there and they get swept up in an Indiana Jones, like, you know, (laughs) energy vortex or something? Uh, I I just think that wouldn't have fit with the rest of the game. And it wouldn't have fit this theme of a woman sort of trying to reconcile this image of her father with him being a different person than she thought and like if the conspiracy had failed right then what was the point of the conspiracy if and you know she got she'd gone to these deep deep lengths to again unwittingly just undo everything her father did and if at the last moment she turned around and was like nope i saved it and then her father woke up from the coma and gave her a big hug like i just don't know i don't know that the story would have meant anything
0: Right. I don't know if that if that was going to happen, but there's this sense of as you're playing as Thomasina, you're just really rooting for her yeah. to to do the right thing and to uncover these weird things that are happening within this town and survive I, yeah, and survive at least. Yeah. So she does survive, but there are some things that are worse than death. And this is yeah. one of them. Her yeah, having beating to, your
1: father to yeah. death is probably
0: worse than just. Yeah. yeah. I honestly thought that she might, and this, this upset me too, as I, as I played the game, I'm like, I think my character might die. That's, that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought that the cult members were using her as a tool, and and then just kind of dispose of her because then she'll not be, you know, she won't be useful anymore. And since the other people who looked at Hobbs Barrow had such devastating consequences, I thought hers would be that she would, she would die, she would perish. And that would also be upsetting to be honest i was kind of prepping myself for that i'm like this is not going to have a happy ending this you ending know, was especially horrific and upsetting
1: i can't imagine that cult murdering right like uh they do some weird things and some shitty things and uh but basically they think abraxas is a good god and Correct. they think Abraxas is going to bring health and wealth and fortune and luck yeah. to the and people like of the town. And like
0: harvest and... Uh, yeah,
1: and they're not oppressive to the people who don't believe. They don't do anything.
0: They don't harm them.
1: They don't harm them. Um, they let Thomasina go, right? After she does what she needs to do for them. Um, even Arthur Tillett, who is threatening to destroy their plans, they just, they threaten him and maybe right. drug him. They don't kill him. They don't. They're not violent to anybody, and it is questionable whether or not uh, the man who is tied to the, <laughs> the tied to the sign with flowers stuffed in his mouth whether that had anything to do with the cult. We don't know.
0: We don't know. Yeah, or I if it was a diversion a, of sorts. Um.
1: I guess it's a little bit implied because it seems that the only place those flowers grow are in the barrow.
0: Correct. That's correct. That's the only place you can get those flowers. So yeah, I thought this ending was actually worse than death. It is so harrowing. And yet it's so fitting yeah. for folk horror. I mean, look at look at the Wicker Man. That's not a happy ending. That's a horrific ending.
1: I haven't seen the Wicker Man, but I know I've seen <laughs> yeah. um, Midsommar, and that is a horrific ending
0: it's pretty bad it's pretty brutal but i will say for midsummer that the lead character who's also a woman she seems to accept her fate she almost kind of smiles at the end and that almost gives you a glimmer of like i think she might be okay with this whereas thomasina is just she
1: does but my my take on the end of midsummer is it's that she has been indoctrinated into the cult and she has been successfully brainwashed right Um, that would have even
0: been a better ending for Thomasina if she had been brainwashed (laughs) and like introduced indoctrinated into the cult because that was one of the most depressing endings I've ever seen in my life
1: yeah I mean I think we had to understand that Abraxas was vicious and cruel Um, and for the potential questionably uh, good intentions of these townsfolk they are being deceived um yeah braxis is horrible <laughs> yes um a you know a, a loving god wouldn't take revenge so yeah well that's excavation of hobbs Barrow. <laughs> i think that's, <laughs> that's pretty much depressing. all we have to say about it i did re- think of one other thing i want to talk about but it doesn't have to be in the spoilers section oh, okay um, so do you have any last thoughts before we wrap up and then in the outro i'll just tell you my other thought
0: Look, I'm very upset at this mm-hmm. ending, but I just want to say that that is the nature of art. It does not have to be enjoyable to have an impact <laughs> or happy. Yeah. So I appreciate it as an artist myself. It certainly had its impact on me. And I'm even though I don't like it and I'm kind of critiquing it a little bit, I thought there was going to be maybe a different ending. I think it's the right ending. Yeah. And I appreciate that they didn't hold back with that. They really stayed true the whole genre
1: I, I hope these the this team continues making games that are inspired by these like folk themes um Me too. not even necessarily horror even though they're they're good at it <laughs> uh yeah but they talked about doing a game about this worm character uh <laughs> i'd love to see that game i want to see yeah more of this sort of thing from these developers um all right you want to play that music and then we'll uh head for the descent
0: okay we will be right back <laughs> We're back. It's me, Pushing Up Roses, and my precious co host, extraordinary Matt Offcamp. Welcome back, Matt. (laughs) I'm extraordinary. Yeah. uh, Extraordinary.
1: Being something other than ordinary, I guess, isn't always a compliment, though. (laughs) Okay, so now we're out of the spoiler section. Welcome back, listeners who fast forwarded. Uh, There's something else I wanted to talk about, which is the there's a musical segment in this game. It's yes. like a musical number? Yep. Uh that is so bizarre and so completely out How did you feel about it?
0: Listen, Matt. I'm going to tell you something. Okay. Something glitched out on my switch during that part. and it, it was all nonsense, <laughs> so I skipped it. So, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, I was going to mention that basically... earlier, but yeah, I I oh
1: it is basically just a a man playing a song that the lyrics are like thematically tied to the game but the song is like uh it's like a it was like an acoustic guitar singer songwriter song but sort of in the uh you know melancholy depressing late 90s alternative style like uh Stained or something. I was just (laughs) gonna
0: say that. I'm (laughs) like, oh, it's like stained.
1: That's what I was trying not to say because I figured that would be mean. And this guy clearly has talent. Um, and I'm sure in any other context, I I don't know that, you know, I would be a huge fan of that music. But I'm sure his music's very (laughs) very good for people who like that. But in this game, it's just so out of place. A game that was so married to its themes and uh sure. again it's color palette it's sound escapes and then all of a sudden i'm listening to a song from like <laughs> <laughs> the late 90s early 2000s
0: uh, <laughs> i'm on like... the outside <laughs> <laughs> stain um, starts playing
1: yeah yeah uh, what was it chris cornell comes in and starts yeah
0: like soundgarden yeah if I review the game, I'm going to, like, snip in Stained, just so you all know. Also, Stained, terrible band, horrible lead singer, but all a part of our lives if you are, in fact, a millennial like us.
1: Yeah, I definitely bought Stained's first album.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> but,
1: yeah, when I was, uh, when I guess I would have been a middle schooler at that time. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, the new rap rock craze knew, was cool. Yeah.
0: There's some new new, a... new 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 metal coming out. I love Lincoln yeah. Park. That's I still love Lincoln Park. That's my jam.
1: I couldn't listen to a second of anything called new metal today. There's there's <laughs> not one bit of it I enjoy. Even the stuff that people have revisited is like this actually wasn't bad. Like System of a Down. I, can I there, yeah, they're fine. No, that, it's, no, no it's all so bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I what got, about I Lip Biscuit? Mean, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, I did I had, it all
0: for the Nookie.
1: I had like two, three Limp Bizkit albums.
0: Horrifying.
1: You know what? I, who I haven't tried to go back and listen to again, though, is Korn. What do you think Korn feels like to listen to in 2024?
0: Not great. Uh, not, not positive vibes. But <laughs> I will say, <laughs> I didn't like Korn back in the day, and I don't like Korn now, but they did do a couple interesting collab slash covers that I liked. Um, They did an interesting collaboration with Robert Smith. You're either going to love it or hate it. And they did a cover of an Alice in Chains song. I think it was wood. and I thought that was very good, but I can't go back and listen to Freak (laughs) on a Leash. That's just not
1: interesting. Yeah, I'm just
0: not that girl anymore.
1: (laughs) You know, I this was, you know, that was right at my cusp, uh, like the rap rock new metal thing was, you know, right at the cusp of me finding punk and then getting deep into like street punk and like actually you know yeah so it was a necessary part of my transition right like I had to go to MTV and listen to Limp Biscuit and Blink-182 and be like these are good <laughs> and then uh that would lead me to discover say bad religion which would lead me to discover the clash and the sex pistols which would lead me to discover the subhumans and like good punk (laughs) like modern hey wait
0: i think the clash is good punk oh no i'm saying
1: the the clash is good punk i'm just saying in comparison to like blink 182 who uh, have lodged themselves in my affections like i still it's so not my type of music anymore but i I still um... listen to blink 182
0: I think Adam's song is a jam. It's got great drumming. It's got a great. That's probably
1: my least favorite.
0: What in the world is going on?
1: (laughs) These days, I like folk music. I like uh, indie rock. I like, um, and I like any sort of punk that wasn't (laughs) Blink One Eighty Two and Good Charlotte or whatever. I mean, that's
0: pop. That's pop punk. You know, that's more, for me, that's more pop-punk.
1: Sure, but I would also call, like, uh, No Effects and maybe Bad Religion and Masked Intruder. Uh, Like, I would call those all pop-punk, too. That's fair. Um, But they're just, you know, sort of like a level deeper into something good rather than something horrible.
0: (laughs) You know what I've been doing? So I've been going through some stuff, Mm -hmm. as some people may or may not know, and the way I soothe myself... And you know what, my therapy told me there's no wrong way to grieve. So nobody is allowed to judge me because I have a note (laughs) from my therapist. So I've been, (laughs) I tend to revisit things that I guess you could call them nostalgic. But what I'm really revisiting lately is I found a Puddle of Mud song that I used to like back in the My day. My
1: God. Okay, and there's I... <laughs> one wrong way to grieve.
0: <laughs> Wait, no, stop. <laughs> no, this is a no judgment zone. So okay, I okay, listened okay. to that and now I'm like in that era. It's not new metal. It's more, it's like post grunge. So okay. like in that late 90s, early 2000s, like Puddle of Mud, Stained. Stone Temple Pilots, I think are more a grudge, but they had like Sour Girl. Like that kind of music. There's another, there's like, I don't know how to describe this kind of music. But yeah, so I've been, I've been listening to that, you guys. And it started with like Drift and Die (laughs) by Puddle of Mud. And then it went to like Stained and like Stone Temple Pilots. And that's what I'm all about. Because it just, it reminds me of being a teenager, you know?
1: Okay, I'll say this, uh, if we're talking about embarrassing music is.
0: Did I I say it was embarrassing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know. (laughs) I think the most uh, embarrassing part of my music habits is how often I listen to, like, comedy or novelty music as if it's just, like, regular music and I, like, jam to it. So, like, I'll put on Weird Al (laughs) as if it's music and, like, I'll listen to The Lonely Island or Bo Bo Burnham or Jonathan Colton or Moxie Fruvis. (laughs) Like, i listen to these... I haven't listened to him much lately, but like um, Flight of the Concords. Or, I love
0: Flight of the Concords. Or
1: Tim Minchin. Like, I'll put on their albums and listen to them, right? Yeah. Like, rather than just like, oh, isn't this funny? Or isn't this a, a piece of, an interesting piece of entertainment? Like, I'll just like, he will be like singing along.
0: No, I think that's, I think that's super fair. Like, my dad was a big fan of like country novelty. There seemed to be mm-hmm. like a lot of overlap in like South, uh, like Southern, country western novelty music so i'm talking about people like uh roger miller and right. he had i still have i might still have him he had a bunch of weird al 45s they're super cool oh that's and, awesome but, yeah so they that leaked on to me i've seen weird al in concert like three times he's fantastic I've seen him oh yeah. i just love him so much
1: i'll also say this like i i threw jonathan colton in there but i think like that's Music that's meant to be just put on and listened to and sang along yeah. to, I don't think i I, I, I think there's novelty he has novelty songs and there's novelty aspects to his music, but I think it, that's meant to be oh yeah, that probably falls more in the singer songwriter category. They might be Giants is one of my favorite bands, I and Randy that. Newman. Randy Newman's one of my favorite Randy artists. Newman. Listen to his early albums; he is very, very good.
0: I am not listening to short people again, and you can't make me.
1: Well, that's not a good one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Here's a hot question: What is your favorite Weird Al non non parody song, but parody style song? What is your favorite Weird Al parody style mm-hmm. song?
1: Mm-hmm. I was gonna say that's easy, and then I just I can't remember the name. So I <laughs> see. Wait a minute. I know it. I Like, it's the sort of thing where, like, uh, probably because we've been talking about this, of <laughs> talking about um, something completely unrelated for so long. I'm, like, down the rabbit hole. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to pull it up.
0: Do you want to know what mine is in the meantime? Yes, I do
1: want to know what yours is.
0: Mine is called You Make Me, and it's an Oingo Boingo parody style, mm-hmm. and I really love it. I saw him play it in concert. It's not one he always plays in concert. And I was just like, it's so catchy and so energetic. It's very Oingo Boingo. And that's my fave.
1: Well, he has a couple like legitimately good breakup songs. (laughs) Yeah, he (laughs) does. That I I really enjoy. Um, Also, speaking of like the style parodies that you were just talking about, that he had that Oingo Boingo one, he does a They Might Be Giants style parody called everything you know is wrong which is really yeah. good yeah. um but since you've been gone is incredible and uh because he's stranded all alone at the gas station of love and he has to use the self-service pump <laughs> it's a, a <laughs> masturbation joke and a weird out song but that song oh, is God. so good what is it ca- what is it called
0: is it is it a love song yeah is it one I more minute that's-
1: Yes, it is one Yay! more minute. Yes, 100%. <laughs> one more minute. Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> I saved you.
1: Like I said, like, that is that is my easy, like, always, like, yeah, that is the best Weird Al song. Um, nice. But for whatever reason, I could not pull the name of it from my uh, cavern of a brain. Okay. We have gone we way over. past the amount of time that we wanted. Like, we, this was going to be okay. the short one.
0: i know it's okay it's okay when you get me talking about music there's no going back it's like my it's like my first love
1: guys email us at matt and roses at gmail.com and let us know what you think when we go completely off topic in these (laughs) final segments and if you like it we would love to keep doing that. But if you'd rather we're the only two who enjoy (laughs) us talking about weird novelty music, then maybe it's not worth recording and releasing. So
0: uh,
1: here's the thing. I think our next episode, which again, you're, if you email us now, you're not going to get a question in, in time for our Q and a episode, but you still should email us because we're going to be doing them I think, regularly.
0: Yeah, we're going to try to. But yeah, the next episode, I think we're going to have a good focus because there's been some very good questions that I think are going to spark conversation.
1: Yeah. One thing I want to ask for people when they email us at mattandroses at gmail.com, put in your <laughs> emails. We haven't asked this before, and I think it was a mistake. Put in your emails whether you want us to say your name or not. Um, or if you have a fun pseudonym. Like, like the Ann Landers. Like if you're like... Uh, <laughs> loose cranks in louisiana
0: (laughs) (laughs) something that relates
1: something that relates to your question but like (laughs) that would be so fun next episode yeah we're going to i'm gonna be in new orleans
0: so jealous
1: yeah and i think we should still the episode should still be out on time but if it's a little bit late um that's why that's why and
0: I am going to text Matt every single day, Gabriel Knight trivia things because he'll be in New Orleans. And I'll be like, I'll are you there? And I'll ignore them
1: because I'm on vacation.
0: But Matt, go to the Han in, in the cathedral.
1: Yeah. I'll use, I'll use a piece of brick to write on uh, Mar- Marie Laveau's Marie Laveau, tomb or whatever. Yeah. So next episode is going to be a Q&A episode. Uh, you're not going to get your questions in in time if you email us now, but Email us for future segments, and we are also part of the Adventure Game Hotspot Network. Go to AdventureGameHotspot.com to check them out. Maybe you can see a review written by me. Also, uh, they have a Kickstarter up for the Adventure Game Fanfare, the first Adventure Game-focused fan convention in North America happening uh, in July. I think that's all we got. Roses. That's
0: all we, quote, all we got.
1: <laughs> you want to take us out with our catchphrase?
0: Yes. Thank you all for listening to us talk about adventure games. And always remember that podcast is art and art is suffer. Like a stained song. <laughs>